A new day has come to Augustus. As evening sets in, the people of this always bustling city continue to move about their day. At the Harper Mansion in the living room, Emma is sitting on the couch. Colin is sitting in his wheelchair, which is next to the couch. Emma is looking down at her iPad and making notes on an app with a stylist pen. Alright, so now that we have the rehearsal dinner planned for tonight, let's talk about the wedding a little bit more. I was thinking that maybe we could have a photographer at the entrance of the banquet hall. That way he or she can snap photos of all of our guests as if they were at a red carpet movie premiere. <sighs> Consider the price tag of this wedding. It does feel like we're at some Hollywood premiere. <laughs> Yet seeing your face light up every time we discuss our big day makes it worth every penny. No matter how many times you have changed our wedding plans in the span of 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you do have to admit that our wedding, uh, well, has become the most anticipated social event of the year. And on a personal note, I would like to think that it marks a new beginning for our relationship. Look, I know that right now, the world feels as though it's crashing down around us, but- Wait, wait, wait a second. I know that our life together has been full of ups and downs. And yes, at the end of the day, I wish that I was not in this wheelchair. I wish that my dad was not in prison, but Emma, Emma, I can't let those factors hold us back from beginning this new chapter that you speak of. Emma leans over and kisses Colin. As Emma smiles at Colin, they suddenly hear some commotion coming from the foyer. The two stop kissing immediately and look over at the entrance to the living room, just as Danielle enters. Danielle, who is holding an envelope, walks over to Emma and Colin. Emma stands from the couch. Well, hello, you two. What the hell are you doing here? I'd like to know that, too. Oh, I'll tell you what's going on. I received this envelope in the mail today. I cannot believe you people put a restraining order out on me. At the Bay Ridge Hotel in the lobby, Alex enters the establishment carrying his briefcase and his coat. He looks around the establishment and spots Leslie over at the bar sitting on a chair and talking on her cell phone. Alex then walks up to her. Uh, Les? Just a second, Alex. Yes, Mr. Stevenson? I, I will let the chef know that you and your clients would like the chicken entree and not the fish entree. Mm -hmm. You have a good day, too. Bye. Leslie hangs up from the call and looks over at Alex, who takes a seat next to her. Hey, sorry about that. And sorry I couldn't meet you at your office. I have just been so busy today. I feel like I haven't stopped running around since 6 a.m. Oh, before I forget, Aiden's nanny is going to be taking a half day on Tuesday. Do you think you could pick him up before she leaves the penthouse? Sure, no problem. Anyway, if you are not busy right now, I would like to- Of course. So, why did you want to meet? Alex opens his briefcase and retrieves a file. He then hands it to Leslie, and she opens it. Well, I wanted to meet with you to go over this file. Oh my goodness. I didn't think they'd be ready so soon. Me neither. I guess that's what happens when you split everything 50-50. Wow. Our divorce papers. The end of our marriage. 
In the town of Linwood, Illinois, at the old Fraser home, JJ and Antoine enter the now abandoned home where JJ, Danielle, their father Jesse Fraser Sr., and their mother for a time used to live. I am so glad that we're finally out of that car. I see they haven't fixed the streets. They are as bumpy as ever. You really want to talk about road conditions right now? What else is there to talk about? Honey, you were awfully quiet in the car. And as soon as we got into this town, you practically froze up on me. Sorry. I'm just trying to process everything. I have not been in this town in a very long time. I'm here because I have to say goodbye to this old home. No, listen, I can only imagine how overwhelming this must be for you, but I mean, look on the bright side. Danielle will be here soon, right? Yeah. She says she had to take care of some business regarding Trash.com. She says she wouldn't be too long, though. <sighs> That's good. Listen, on a personal note, I want to thank you for letting me tag along. I just know you're probably thinking of your dad right now. Yeah, you got that right. JJ then becomes very deep in thought as he seemingly hears his dad's voice from the past. Son, you know me. I'm 100% behind you, as is your mother. I'm just used to things being done in a different way. I've never known someone who's gay, out and in the open. I just want you to know that I'll never judge you. I'll always be here for you. You can count on me. JJ then comes out of his thoughts and looks over at Antoine as he is determined to face what happened in this town. Back at the Harper Mansion in the living room. Colin, our rehearsal dinner is set to begin shortly. Please tell me you didn't do this. I don't have time to put out this fire. You know, Emma, I'm very surprised that you weren't in on this with him. And I'm also very offended by all of this. I haven't done anything to the two of you. Really, Danielle? You're not exactly a saint. You knew about the threat my sister was facing in her relationship with Lakin. And I also remember you causing trouble at Memorial Hospital as my wife was giving birth to our son prematurely. You wouldn't rest until you got a quote for some trashy expose on my family. And also this restraining order goes for you and everyone else who is associated with Trash.com. I did this so my wedding day to Emma could be trash free. Colin, I don't know why you want to bar me from being at your wedding. I'm sure the world would love to see the Prince of Augustine finally get to marry his sweet farm gal. You two better be glad that I have prior engagements to attend to. I hope the two of you have a lovely wedding day. Hopefully we'll be peaceful. Danielle rolls her eyes in disgust and then walks off. Ugh, she is way too much to handle. <sighs> yes, she is. I'm guessing it's a good thing that you got that restraining order against her for our wedding day. I thought you would come to see things my way. After all, I know that we both want this to be the best day ever. Back at the Bay Ridge Hotel in the lounge, Christopher is sitting at a table drinking a beer. Stephanie enters the lounge, looks around, spots him, and then goes to him. Hey, you. Hey, Stephanie. Mind if I join you? Stephanie sits across from Christopher. 
I'm actually glad that I bumped into you. I've been meaning to speak with you. Oh, about what? Before Christopher can say another word, a bartender walks over to Stephanie. I'll have a glass of red wine. Thanks. The bartender nods and walks off. You know, you can tell a lot about a person by what drink they order. Really? Then what does my order of red wine say about me? Apparently, a woman who drinks red wine is an early riser and very organized. I may enjoy red wine, but I am so not an early riser by choice, and I'm not very organized for that matter. I hate to burst your bubble. (laughs) Anyway, what did you need to talk to me about? I now know the reason why you showed me out of your office so abruptly when I came to return your earring. I know that you know that I'm related to Leslie and Isaac Marshall. That's because my cousin has told me everything about you. She even said you're quite the manipulator. I bet she did. Is there any truth to that, Stephanie? Meanwhile, back in the lobby of the Bay Ridge Hotel, Leslie has just finished signing the divorce papers. She then clicks her pen as Alex looks over at her. I didn't think it'd be that easy. Just the stroke of a pen, you know? Yeah. Years of me and you are are gone. All it took was 20 minutes and the flick of a wrist. I'll file these as soon as possible. You know, I always imagined that our divorce would be messy and brutal. I don't know why. I, I know we aren't. You must be watching too many of those soap operas and reality shows. I would have never let things get messy. Same here. Alex... I want you to know that after Thanksgiving last year, much like you, I really did try. I tried to. I I know. There was just too much baggage, though. I guess so. We're going to have good lives, Leslie. And we still have our precious son. Just make sure that whoever comes up next in your life doesn't make your life difficult. I promise that I'll make sure they won't. Good night, Leslie. Good night, Alex. Leslie watches Alex walk out of the hotel as she tries to hold back a few tears. Back at the old Frasier home in the living room, J.J., Danielle, Antoine, and Tyrone Anderson are standing around the room. Good to see you, J.J. Long time no see. I guess it has been a long time. How have you been, by the way? Doing good. Just surviving. Uh, Danielle, you're looking good these days. Thank you. How's Tisha and the kids? They're doing good, too. We have four now. And number five is on the way. That's great. Oh, and Tyrone, this is Antoine. Antoine, me, and Danielle grew up with Tyrone. He even taught me how to play poker. Which I regret, because I didn't think you would catch on so quickly. You took so much of my money. (laughs) Listen, what can I say? I became quite good at it. Anyway, I had Antoine tag along so he could see where I grew up. Well, it is always nice to meet a friend of yours. Oh. Before I forget to ask, have you seen Lou yet? Not yet. I'm hesitant to visit a lot of people. I do want to know something, though. Is Mr. Porter still in prison? 
JJ, last time I heard, he was actually set for parole. But that was three months ago. I haven't heard anything else since then. I can tell you that his son, Eric, is still around this area. Just a heads up. Good for Eric. I just hope that his bastard of a dad continues to ride in prison. Um, who's Mr. Porter? He's, he's the man who shot and killed our father. That's what made me leave this godforsaken town for good. Back at the Bay Ridge Hotel in the lounge, Stephanie takes a sip of her red wine. So, was my cousin right? Should I not be around you, Stephanie? Leslie has always thought that she knows so much about me because of our colorful history. I see that she still isn't able to mind her own business after all this time. Why would she say these things about you, though? Uh, I mean, there must be a reason for it all, right? Leslie has always been jealous of me, Christopher. Unlike her, I had to work for every single thing in my life. Christopher, I'm not a manipulator. I'm just me. If you want to believe her, then go for it, but- I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm choosing to believe you. Why? Because I like to go by the person's honesty. And I can tell that you've been nothing but honest with me tonight. Christopher charmingly smiles on at Stephanie. It is now rather late in the night in Augustus. Back at the Harper Mansion in the living room, the guests have arrived for the rehearsal dinner. Caitlin and Lakin are talking to Melanie, and meanwhile, Colin and Emma are talking to one another. Just as Lucinda, who is on the other side of the room, picks up a glass of champagne from a silver platter and walks over to Elaine. Elaine, your staff has truly outdone themselves tonight. Everything looks perfect, just like Emma in Colin's life. I can't believe that tomorrow is finally their big day. Thank you, Lucinda. And yes, I can't believe it either. It seems like just yesterday that I was first introduced to her. I will say that after all this time, I now understand why my son has fallen in love with her. Ever since she was a little girl, I've wanted my Emmy to just be happy. She's finally gotten to that point in her life. After everything they've been through, they deserve happiness. I couldn't agree more. How about a toast to our kids, having a bright future with our grandbaby? Lucinda raises her glass of champagne as Elaine raises her glass of sparkling cider. Now, if you'll excuse me for just one moment. Certainly. Elaine then walks off to attend to the other guests just as everybody continues to enjoy themselves at this once-in-a-lifetime party. Back at the Bay Ridge Hotel in the lounge, Stephanie and Christopher stand from the table. Well, I will say that I had a good time tonight. Thank you for saying what you said about me, Christopher. Of course. I just don't like to judge a book by its cover. I feel as though more people need to live by that philosophy. The world would be a better place if that happened. I would like to think so. 
As Stephanie picks up her purse from the table, Isabella enters the lounge of the hotel. She then spots Christopher and Stephanie and goes to them. Well, well, well. I see you've moved on already. Uh, Christopher, who is this? What are you doing here, Isabella? Well, surprise, I live here. I guess since we're technically not together right now that you don't really care about where I choose to live. Together? I still don't get what's happening here. Oh, God. Really, Christopher? You haven't told her that you're married to me? You should really be upfront with the women before you take them out on the town. Are you kidding me? You're married? I I is this for real right now? I, I, I can't do this. Stephanie rushes off. Really, Isabella? You just have to walk over here and interrupt my night with her? Do you hear yourself right now? I'm your wife. Get that through your head. And aren't you happy to see me? Outside of the Bay Ridge Hotel, Stephanie looks both ways and then crosses the street going to her car. As she unlocks her car and gets into it, it is clear that Donovan is parked just a few cars behind her, watching her every move. Donovan then smiles at the sight of her. Oh, my beautiful blue. You're still as gorgeous as ever. I can't wait until we're together again. In life and in death. <laughs> As Stephanie pulls out from her parallel parking spot, Donovan does the same. He then follows her. Back in the town of Linwood, Illinois, at the old Fraser home in the living room. You came out, the whole town found out shortly after, and then this guy... Mr. Porter. Sure, whatever. Anyways... He had a son who bullied you, and he felt the need to join his son in doing such a thing? Yeah. And then he started to bully our father, basically. He told him he was worthless and not a man for raising a gay son. He called out our whole family an abomination. One night, our family went into Mr. Porter's store to get some groceries. This town is so small. It's the only store that did not close at 8. Anyway, it was a Sunday. Mr. Porter never worked on Sundays. He always lived by it, being the Lord's day. But for some reason, some strange reason that I still don't know, he was there that day. And while we were checking out with another cashier, he came out from the back office. He started fighting with our dad instantly. I finally stepped in. That's when Mr. Porter came from behind the checkout counter. He was so aggressive, so cold. He even got in my face. He begged me to come live with him and marry his son. He said it was the only way my soul could be saved. That's when our father lost it. Our father punched Mr. Porter in his face. We decided to leave our items there on the counter. It just was not worth it. But then as we were leaving, we heard a gunshot. And then another gunshot. <laughs> And before JJ and I could fully turn around, our dad had fallen to the ground. He bled out so quickly that by the time the analyst arrived, it was too late. Oh my God. Oh my God. 
But dear God in heaven, I am so sorry, you two. I'm so, so sorry. JJ, Antoine, and Danielle all look at one another as a silence unlike any other falls upon them. About half an hour later, JJ walks up to Danielle, who is now by the fireplace. Sis, it's getting late. Okay, hey, why don't you wait in the driveway for me? I just need a moment. JJ nods, and then he and Antoine walk off. Upon hearing the door close, Danielle walks up closer to the fireplace and bends down by the right corner. She then pushes a brick from the base of the fireplace out of the way. She then retrieves a folded up piece of paper that was buried in the hole of the fireplace from where the brick was. Danielle then begins to read over the old letter that details how Danielle and JJ's mother always had a third child that only Danielle knew about. Danielle then lets out a deep breath, folds the piece of paper back up, and then tosses it into the fireplace. She then stands, collects herself, and walks off. This has been Forever and a Day, created by KCS Hutchison, co-executive producer KCS Hutchison, Co-executive producer, Candace Mack. Written by KCS Hutchison, Candace Mack, and Demi Morgan. Consultant, Tom Racina. Music and sound effects provided by Fesslian Studios and Soundstripe. Theme song provided by Soundstripe. This episode starred Sherard Jackson as Jesse J.J. Frazier. Candace Mack as Danielle Frazier. Darrell Anthony as Antoine Jeffries. Christina Sullivan as Stephanie Markham. Lance Guzman as Christopher Marshall, Ashley Stewart as Isabella Reed, Quinn Van Antwerp as Colin Harper, Jean Young as Emma Jensen, Claire Statmuller as Lucinda Prescott, Elizabeth Von Isser as Elaine Harper, Michael Carr as Donovan Aldridge, Kalia Davis as Leslie Marshall, Tyler David as Alex Bennett, Ian Williams as Jesse Frazier Sr., and Troy Thompson as Tyrone Anderson. Join us next Monday for an all-new episode of Forever Today on Anchor, FAADseries.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement.